right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need your help to kind of get this talk going uh, this morning. We're going to do it a little bit differently today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off by giving you a test of your musical knowledge. All right, so turn to the person next to you and say, get ready. The test of your musical knowledge. And uh, this is the audience participation part of the talk. So I'm going to give you a lyric, and then you're going to complete the lyric if you know it. Okay? Are you ready? This is going to be great. I, I believe in you right now. I have great confidence that you can do this. All right, here we go. Number one uh, song. This one comes from 2006, John Mayer. And uh, here's a lyric. I'm still waiting, waiting on the world of change. All right, very good. There you go, there you go. Very good. All right, we're off to a good start. Here you go, 1987 Irish rock band U2. And here is, here's the lyric. I still haven't found. All right, a few more people know that one. All right, I know you YouTube fans out there. Here we go, 1980. Here's a little country song for those of you country fans. Johnny Lee. <laughs> You're already trying to figure it out. All right, here we go. Looking for love. Man. Now I know what y'all are listening to out there. 1976. All right, we're going from the 2000s to the 80s. Now we're in 1976. British band Queen. Find me. Somebody. Find me somebody All right, there you go. And then uh, last one, 1965, going all the way back there, 1965, uh, Rolling Stones, I can't get no. All right. They try and they try and they try, <laughs> barely. All right, very good. In fact, it's interesting that uh, when Mick Jagger was interviewed about why that song is so popular, he said it's because it has the ingredients of a classic hit. He said it has a great guitar rift, it has a great sound, and he said it has the spirit of the generation in it. I thought that was interesting. The spirit of the generation that there's, there was this longing in the 60s for satisfaction, a restlessness. But what I want you to pick up on is that same theme was in every song you just knew the lyrics to. Whether it's in the 70s or whether it's in the 80s or whether it's in the 90s or 2000s, there's this longing for more. In fact, Billie Eilish in one of her recent songs, everything I wanted. She writes this, I had a dream. I got everything I wanted, not what you'd think. And if I'm being honest, it might've been a nightmare to anyone who might care. See, she got everything she wanted, but she still wasn't satisfied. Why is that? Why, why is it that in every generation, there's a sense that I want more, that I'm not satisfied in this life. Think of all that we have. We're in, a, in the wealthiest nation in the world, and yet we still are not satisfied. Why is that? That's what we want to talk about today. Jesus, why am I still not satisfied? And we're going to find the answer to that in John chapter 6. So if you got your Bible, open up with me. John chapter 6 is where we're going to be 
uh, this morning. While you're turning there, let me just kind of set the stage for what we're going to be learning today. In the first 15 verses of John chapter 6, Jesus performs a miracle. It's one of his very famous miracles where he he feeds the 5,000, right? He takes a, a few loaves of bread from a little boy and he breaks it and breaks it and multiplies it to feed It's 5,000 men, could have been upwards of 20,000 people that he fed miraculously. Before that, he was actually healing people, and that's why they were gathered around him. And then after he feeds the 5,000, the disciples, the night falls, the disciples get into their boat, and they're now moving from the east side of of the Lake of Galilee all the way over to the west side, and they're caught in a storm, and Jesus comes to them walking on the water, And so he miraculously saves them. And now the next morning, they're over in Capernaum, where the crowd over here had bedded down for the night. They wake up and they can't find Jesus. Where's Jesus? I mean, he was just here. Where did he go? And so they go searching for Jesus. And this is where we pick up uh, the story now, John chapter 6, beginning of verse 25. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. All right, here we go. This is the word of God. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. What can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, the work of God is that you believe in the one he has sent. What sign then are you going to do so that we may believe, see and believe you, they asked him. What are you going to to perform? Our Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. Just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said, sir, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one comes to me will ever be hungry And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me and yet you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given to me, but should raise him up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, this conversation is a really important conversation about satisfaction. In fact, what I want to show you is the first part of this passage teaches us why we're not satisfied. Jesus answers the question, why am I not satisfied? And he's going to show us why we lack satisfaction. Then he's going to show us who it is that actually provides satisfaction for the deep longings of our heart. 
And then lastly, we're going to look at how to practically find satisfaction in life, all right? So the why, the who, and the how, all right? Are you with me? So let's look at the why uh, first off. Uh, Why am I not satisfied in this life? Uh, Here's the answer. Uh, Because your heart is hungry for more than this world can provide. That's it. Why am I not satisfied? It's because this world cannot provide what your heart is longing for. Think about it. If a CEO that's making a gazillion dollars isn't satisfied, if a, if a guy who wins multiple Super Bowls is not satisfied, if the person that has the hit number one song in the country is not satisfied, if the person that has the, the lead role in the number one blockbuster is not satisfied, then there must be something more to life than what this world has to offer. And the deep longings of your heart can never be satisfied in the things of this world. That's why you're not satisfied. Because your heart is longing for more. You have a hungry heart. And Jesus really picks out here uh, three evidences of a hungry heart. So if you're taking notes, you can jot these down. Three evidences of a hungry heart. Here's the first one. A hungry heart looks for satisfaction on the outside, that is in the physical world, and not on the inside, which is your spiritual relationship with God. And that's what was happening with these people, right? They were hungry. They get up in the morning. Jesus is gone. They go, where is he? They start searching around. They find him on the other side of the lake. They go find him. They say, hey, Jesus, where were you? And he turns to them and look at what he says in verse 26. He answered, truly I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. He's like, you're not pursuing me because of who I am. You're not hungering for spiritual things. You just want breakfast. That's what you want. I gave you a free meal last night and uh, you woke up and you said, man, I'd like some French toast. I'd like some cinnamon toast. I just like any kind of toast. Jesus, have you got bread for us this morning? See, they were, they were hungering for the physical things, not for the, what? The spiritual things. And that's true for most of us. I want to say most of us in this room, uh, we, we pay more attention to physical things and not to spiritual things, right? You got up this morning and you took a shower, some of you, thank you, right? Uh, you got dressed, thank you again. <laughs> uh, and you prepared yourself physically, but here's the question, did you stop to prepare yourself spiritually to hear from God? Some of you give a lot of attention to the external things in life, right? You work out and you, uh, you got the right fashion going on and you, you, uh, you take your vitamins and your meds and you go to the doctor and you get your, you get your uh, checkups regularly and you eat right and you do all these things to stay physically fit, right? But are you just as concerned about your spiritual life and your spiritual being, your spiritual self? And Jesus said, listen, if you're looking to this, the physical things of this world, they will never satisfy you. No vacation is going to satisfy you because the minute you get back from your vacation, you're going, where are we going next year, right? And, and no, no restaurant's going to satisfy you because you can fill your belly, fill of good food, and the next morning you're like, well, I'm hungry now. And, and, and no accomplishment will satisfy you. No relationship is going to satisfy you. All the things that this world says, here, try this, try this. This will satisfy you. This will satisfy you. It never will because the things of this world cannot satisfy the deep longings of your heart. 
and you'll never find them, never find satisfaction in them. So a hungry heart, it's always looking for the physical things of this world to satisfy, not the spiritual things. Uh, secondly, a hungry heart looks for satisfaction in signs or in a sign uh, instead of knowing and following Jesus. It's interesting, not only were they hungering after uh, bread, but then they also said, well, then why don't you give us a sign, all right? If we're talking about spiritual things, why don't you wow us for just a minute with some work, right, to perform? What sign, verse 30, what sign are you going to do so that we may see and believe you? And you want to go, really? <laughs> are you kidding me about this? I mean, just look at the, this chapter, right? He was healing people in the first part of the chapter. He feeds 20,000 people with five loaves. He walks on water. They're like, yeah, that's pretty good, but can you do another trick for us? Man, yeah, that's cool, but I'd like another sign. And, and a little bit bigger one, please. A little bit more sensational one, please. Uh, can you do something really cool that we would go, wow, that's awesome? You know what, there are a lot of people like that today. They are not looking for satisfaction necessarily in physical pleasures, but they're looking in some kind of mystical experience, right? I, I just, just want to be spiritual. I want some kind of mystical experience. Man, if I could see a, a, a miracle or if I could have this special encounter, I could get this cool revelation. If I could really, you know, I, it's good to believe the Bible, but I want to experience something here. I want to have an emotion. I want to have a feeling. I want to have an encounter. And so they chase after encounter after encounter and miracle after miracle and sensational thing after sensational thing and they will never find satisfaction. It only gets greater and greater and greater and their desire for more and more uh, outlandish things. Why? Because they're just not rooted in knowing and following Jesus. I listened to a podcast just this last week of a guy that he said, he's walked away from the faith and he said, you know, I, was, I would love going to church because in worship, man, I would get this feeling. And I go, that, that's God. I'm feeling God in worship. And then he said, I went to a U2 concert and I got the same feeling. I started having these same feels. And I realized that, well, maybe, maybe the same feeling in this secular concert is the same feeling I'm getting at church. And so maybe God doesn't exist because I can get that same feeling somewhere else. And so he walked away from the faith because his whole understanding of who God was was based on a feeling and emotion an encounter. How tragic, right? How tragic. And Jesus said, uh, listen, you, you're, you're wanting a sign. By the way, every time that somebody demanded a sign in the Bible, it never turned out that well, all right? Jesus never was like, oh, I'm so glad you asked for another sign. Not one time, by the way. Just keep that in mind when you're pursuing mystical experiences. Keep it in mind that every time a religious person asked for a sign, it was never a good thing because it was a lack of faith. Listen, the truth of the matter is everybody in this room and probably everybody watching me online, you already have enough information to trust Jesus. You already have enough. You don't need a miracle. You don't need an encounter. You don't need a vision. You have everything you need to know and to follow Jesus right now if you'll trust him by faith. And if you're continually to pursue those things, you will never find satisfaction. There'll never be enough to satisfy you. Here's another thing. A hungry heart uh, looks for satisfaction by holding on to traditions and missing the person behind it all. After they sought for bread for their stomach, they didn't find satisfaction in that. Uh, a miracle uh, to wow them, they didn't find satisfaction in that. And then they turned to traditions. And look at what they say, verse 31. Was, well, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
What is all that about? They're referring to the Passover, which all this took place in the time period where they were celebrating the Passover. Now, the Passover was a religious celebration that the Jewish people still celebrate today that remembered how God brought them out of bondage in Egypt and preserved them in the wilderness. And part of the miracle that God did in preserving them in the wilderness was to provide the stuff called manna, bread from heaven, literal bread from heaven. Uh, the Hebrew word manna literally means what is it, all right? So what is it? I don't know. Let's eat it, all right? That's pretty much what they had. And so they had this manna, this what is it to eat. That's all they had. So they had manna for breakfast. They had manna for lunch. They had manna for dinner. They turned it into all kinds of things. Manna cotty, uh, manna, <laughs> manna ice cream. I don't know what they, they just turned it in all kinds of stuff. And then they, then they finally started hating. I hate this manna. It's like, manna, manna, manna. We hate this. Can we get something else? And, you know, and, and they're saying, well, you know, Moses gave us bread from heaven and, and that's what we're holding on to. These are our traditions. And, and they failed to realize, that, follow me, the whole reason why God gave them bread from heaven to satisfy them in the wilderness was not just to preserve them, but to forecast the coming of the Messiah. That there would be an ultimate one who is the bread that comes from heaven to satisfy your soul. And they missed it. They were holding on to a tradition and a practice, but they missed the whole purpose of it. In fact, Jesus says this in verse 33, uh, for the bread of God is the one, the person who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. You know, there are a lot of people like that too. They may not be looking for satisfaction in, in the physical pleasures of this world. They may not be looking for them in the pursuit of mystical experiences, but they, they think that somehow if I just hold on to traditions, religious traditions, this will satisfy me. This will root me. This will anchor me in this world. And so they hold on to their baptism or their confirmation or their, their sprinkling or their denominational affiliation or, well, I'm this or I'm that, you know, just whatever traditions they hold on to. But even those traditions separated from the one to whom they point are empty. And they can never fully satisfy your soul. And so all these things, whether the pursuit of pleasures, which is at, at the core of hedonism, or whether it's the pursuit of mystical experiences, which is at the core mysticism, or the pursuit of traditions, which is vain traditionalism, all these things uh, leave us empty. Why? Because none of these things can satisfy the deep longings of your heart. That's why you're so restless. That's why you're not satisfied. And so what do we do? Who can satisfy us then? And Jesus tells us in verse 35, look at it. This is the pivot point in the passage. By the way, at 35, you see Jesus now not interacting with them, but speaking completely to them. This is a pivot point, verse 35. Jesus says this, they, they, they follow up with the question, sir, give us this bread always. He's talking about this bread that comes from heaven. Give us this bread that comes from heaven. And look at what he says in verse 35. I am the bread of life. I am what you're looking for. I am what satisfies you. I am the bread of life. 
This is one of the great I am statements of Jesus. There are seven I am statements of Jesus in the book of John. This is the first one. I am the bread of life. I am what satisfies. I am the bread that came from heaven to satisfy your soul. That's who I am. You know, at our house, Liz is really into baking bread right now. I, I, and I love it, all right? I, you probably can tell. I love it. And she, she gets this whole starter thing. Some of y'all know how to do this. You know what I'm talking about. She gets a starter thing. She feeds it, which is a little creepy to me. I don't really know how that works. And, and then she like she adds all this stuff and then she makes the dough and she needs that. And then, and then she puts it in these... Um, I'm really going to get into trouble now trying to describe this because I don't know how this works. But she puts in these pans and, and then, then she pulls it out and man, the whole house just smells like fresh baked bread. I love it. And we give it away to people. There's nothing more satisfying than that. And, and Jesus is saying, just like bread satisfies your stomach, I am the bread that satisfies your heart, the hungry heart, the longing for your heart. I am what satisfies you. And yet so many of us don't pursue the one who will satisfy us. C.S. Lewis, the great writer, thinker, he, he put it this way. He has such a great way with words. This is what he said. I'll put it up on the screen so you can follow along. He said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. In other words, we're, you're chasing around trying to find satisfaction in these little things when Jesus offers ultimate satisfaction. You know, when I was a kid, my mom would be cooking in the kitchen and I would come in and I'm kind of hungry because it's supper time. And so I'd start picking on stuff and eating it. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I'd like pick on whatever she's already got laid out or I'd get in the cupboard and I'd start munching on stuff. And she would always warn me. She'd say, you probably heard this before, don't ruin your supper, right? Ever heard that? Don't ruin your supper. You know what that meant? Don't fill your stomach with a bunch of junk when I'm providing a feast. That's what we're doing. That's what you're doing. When you're pursuing all these things in hopes that they satisfy, you're filling yourself with a lot of petty little things that can never satisfy you. You're rejecting the fountain of living water, the prophet Isaiah said, and honing out for yourselves broken cisterns that can never satisfy you. And Jesus said, listen, I am the bread of life. You're never gonna find real satisfaction until you, until you find me. And so, how do we do that? How do we find satisfaction in Jesus? If the reason why we're so dissatisfied is because our heart is longing for things this world cannot provide, and if Jesus is the one that can satisfy me, then how do I find satisfaction in life? And I think that's really what Jesus tells us in the last five verses here. From 35 to 40, Jesus is telling us how to find satisfaction in life. And, and there are two phrases that Jesus uses that are very important, right? Uh, they're the phrase, come to me, 
and the phrase believe in me. In fact, if you look in your Bible right now, you can probably underline all the different times he says, come to me. He says it multiple times. And believe in me. He says it multiple times. Come to me and believe in me. That's how you find satisfaction in Jesus. Now, you probably would say, well, Craig, uh, uh, all right, I've already done that. I've already come to Jesus. I placed my faith in Jesus. I'm a Christian. I've come to Christ. I, I put my faith in him, but I'm still not satisfied. Or I still have these longings for other things, and I'm not finding satisfaction in Jesus. Well, I want to show you something here that you may not readily see in the English, but is more apparent in the Greek uh, original language. These phrases, come to me and believe in me, actually, I, you know, this, this week I, I like dug really down deep into this. I had like books stacked up all over the place and I told one guy, he goes, oh man, you're getting into the Greek. Yeah, you're, you're really getting deep, all right? And I, I dug and I found this thing that's going to blow your mind. You're going to be, this is going to be an aha moment for you, all right? An aha moment. Are you ready? Here it is. That the phrase, come to me and believe in me, are present participles. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Poof. Present participles. You know, Craig, I don't even know what, what does that mean? Here, here it is. Here's what a present participle is. This is why, this is why I told you this is going to be life changing. Because a present, part, present participle means a present action that continues. So here's how you find satisfaction. When you come to Jesus and you keep coming to Jesus and you keep coming to Jesus and you keep coming. You come to him with your struggles. You come to him with your worries. You come to him with your anxiety. You come to him with your temptations. You come to him with your failures. You come to him with your sin. You come to him with your guilt. You come to him with your pain. You come to him with all these things. You come just as you are. And day after day, you keep coming to Jesus and finding your hope in Jesus. That if you do that, and then if you believe in Jesus, and not just one time, but you keep believing in Jesus. You keep trusting Jesus for your every need. You keep trusting Jesus to hear you when you cry out. You keep putting your whole weight down on the, his promises and you keep saying, I trust that Jesus is at work. I trust that he is gonna meet my needs. I trust him for each day's problems and needs. I am putting my trust and my hope in Jesus. And if this becomes your daily practice, that every morning you come to Jesus and you're trusting in Jesus and that day by throughout the day as you hit struggles and problems and if your heart begins to wander, you come back to trusting Jesus and believing in him and coming back to him and saying, Lord Jesus, I wanna come to you. You're my hope, you're my, you're my peace, you're my joy, you're the what satisfies me. I keep feeding on his word, I keep trusting in his promises. If you keep coming to Jesus and keep trusting Jesus, my friend, you will find satisfaction. You'll find satisfaction for your soul. The problem is that we think I can come to Jesus once, get saved, and I can go on and not walk with him. And you will keep chasing these old things that can never satisfy you. But those that I know that walk with God, that have a deep satisfaction and love for Jesus, are the ones that day by day, moment by moment, are coming to him and trusting him. Are you doing that? 2 Corinthians 4 puts it this way. 
Fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Hebrews 12, 2 says it this way, fix your eyes on Jesus. So where are your eyes? Where are your thoughts? Are they coming to Jesus? Are they believing in Jesus? Now listen, if you will do that, if you'll come to him on a regular basis, daily by day, moment by moment, you're constantly coming to Jesus, you're fixing your eyes on Jesus, you're trusting him, you're, you're anchoring your heart in his word, then he makes some promises to you. In this passage, he makes some bold promises. First promise is this, that he will satisfy you. Look at verse 35. No one who comes to me like this, right? No one who comes to me will ever be hungry. The ones, uh, he said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they're the ones that will be filled. You'll be filled. He will satisfy the deep longings of your heart. He will satisfy you in a way that no relationship or no accomplishment could ever do. He will satisfy you. Not only that, it says he will save you. Look at verse 36. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and I, and the one who comes to me, I will never cast out. I love that. I mean, if you would just come to Jesus, come to him in faith, come to him with your sin, come to him with all your, your, your past and your hurts, and come to him trusting in him. He said, I will never push you away. No one will ever hear Jesus say, hey, get away, you're such a wreck. You need to get your act together, then you come to me and we'll talk. No, you, Jesus doesn't act like that. He says, come to me just as you are. Come to me with your baggage. Come to me with your past. And I will heal you. I will never, ever cast you out. What a great promise. He will save you. He will satisfy you. And then look at this, this last one. Those who come to Jesus in faith, he will secure you forever. Look at verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees a son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. What does that mean? It means that you will be eternally secure. That you've come to Jesus. You place your faith in Jesus. It means that he will secure your soul in heaven. And when he comes again, your body will be raised, uh, transformed, and you will forever be with the Lord. It means that the grave doesn't have the last word. It means that one day your faith is going to be sight. Yeah, we see through a glass dimly. Yeah, we see uh, in part, but then we'll know in full. And, and he said, one day uh, I will raise you up. I will make you with me. You will spend eternity with me in heaven, uh, enjoying the reunion of all the saints, enjoying the presence of God, that heaven is real, that eternity is real, and we will be with Jesus forever there. And there we will find that satisfaction in its ultimate expression. So why am I not satisfied? It's because this world just cannot offer you what your soul longs for, what your heart longs for. Only Jesus can do that. He's the bread of life. And you know that, you experience that when you come to him. Why don't you bow your heads with me for just a minute? Maybe you're here today and your soul is restless. You've gone to relationship to relationship. You've gone to pursuit after pursuit. You've gone, you're desperately looking for something to satisfy your heart. And you realize that 
Nothing this world can offer you can satisfy you. Jesus says, come. Come to me. Believe in me. And maybe just even as I've just been explaining the words of Jesus, there's something wells up in you that says, give me this bread. Just like that crowd said, give us this bread. That's what we want. We want something to satisfy our soul. Maybe that's you. That right now, the that God is drawing you, the Holy Spirit's convicting you, that right now you realize your need is in Jesus and he is the only one that can satisfy you. Then come to him. Trust him. Push your faith in him right now. You say, well, Craig, how do I do that? Well, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that right now. You know, the Bible says we were created to know him and to find satisfaction in him. But we have gone our own way. We've lost our way. We've sinned against God. But Christ came to pay the penalty for your sin. That's why he died on the cross for you. That's why he rose again from the dead. And he says, if anyone is hungry, let him come and he'll be filled. And that invitation is for you. You're not here by accident. God is moving right now in your heart. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to pray a simple prayer of faith and I want to include you in it. So without anybody looking around, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Craig, that's what I want. I want you to help me. I want Jesus in my life. I just want you to lift up your hand and I'll, I'll see that hand and I'll just lead you in a prayer right where you are. So just lift up your hand, okay? Thank you. Lift up your hand. Pastor, I just need Christ in my life. I want Jesus. I need Jesus to satisfy me. Lift up your hand so I can see it, all right? Okay. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need Jesus to satisfy me and fill me. Anybody else okay? You all right? Okay. All right, put your hand down. Just pray the simple prayer with me. Dear Lord, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way. But I believe you died on a cross for me. I believe you rose again from the dead. So I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please wash me clean. Today I turn from my sin and I turn to you. And today I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for loving me. Lord, I thank you for this truth that you are the bread of life. You're the only thing that satisfies us. Lord, forgive us when we still chase after things that don't satisfy. When we derive our, our satisfaction or our, our own self-worth from the fleeting things of this world. Lord, I pray that this week we would constantly come to you and constantly trust you. And in that coming to you and trusting in you, that you would fill our hearts with you, only you. No, we don't want to ruin our life filling it with mundane things. We want to fill it with you. Even so, Lord, come. We long for that day when we'll see you and we'll be in heaven with you forever. So we thank you for the hope that we have in you, Jesus. Help us this week to live in the satisfaction that you provide. Pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, Amen.